0: A time of meditation or mental prayer, with this introductory prayer, we tell our Lord that we do believe, Jesus, you are here with us, helping us and guiding our, our prayer, our conversation with you. And I hope that this meditation will help you to pray, and I hope it's very practical, um, every meditation or every time of prayer in some way should be practical. But somehow, I think this, this one uh, should be, I, I, I hope, more easily practical. That is, put it to be easily put in the practice and that we have, that all of us grow in the inclination to put it in the practice. It's a meditation considering our time of prayer, considering Our Lady Mary, the Mother of God, as our Mother. Maybe you have already considered this in your own prayer. Maybe you've already heard a meditation about Mary as the Mother of God, since May is the month that is devoted to Our Lady, or is the month of Our, Our Lady. There's um, usually the May crowning in many schools, in grade schools. I remember our May crowning was an event that uh, the whole school got involved in. Our grade school and making a crown for a lady. It was a big deal. Who was going to be the one who crowned her? Usually one of the eighth grade girls, and all the flowers that were there and all the pomp and circumstance around it. It was it was quite an event, and it was again, a way of making a big deal of of Our Lady because it was her month. And so there are many things like that, many devotions that are practical, that we can do, that we change, and change the color of, if you will, change the kind of tenor of May. But I do hope this time of prayer will, with God's grace, with your help, Lord, and certainly Mary, yours as well, that this practically changes a little bit the way we treat Our Lady, and I hope obviously for the better, that we see her as a mother. This is how she's portrayed in the Gospels at the beginning of her life and at the end of her life. We meet her at the Annunciation. Annunciation. When Gabriel comes to Mary and says, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. He will tell her that she is to be the mother of God, that she will be the mother of the Messiah, the Most High that which is conceived in you, that which is born of you, will be the, the Son of the Most High, the Son of God, the Messiah. And we every year around Christmas time, we consider this scene at great length. And maybe we lose what is the, the primary one of the, I mean, it's the news of the Redeemer coming into the world, which is the primary uh, good news, but the the, The necessary part that Our Lady has to play, she's the mother of God. She is to be his mother. And the angel greets her with this hail full of grace. Our mother is full of grace. She's filled with God's life already. She already has a holiness that is way beyond comparison of any other person except her son, Jesus Christ, who is perfect God and perfect man. And at this moment, when she says yes, she becomes the mother of God, and she grows in holiness, in leaps and bounds, in that union that she has with Jesus Christ. We venerate, we we don't worship, but we venerate, we give, And we are happy to to honor saints because they are friends of God. We celebrate their feast days. People have devotion to saints, and there are many different devotions. You go into any church, and how many times you see the saints there and the candles that can be lit in front of them and asking their intercession that they pray to God on our behalf. Again, not worshiping, but asking them as friends of God. If those who are close to God live close to God, and there are some saints that are more popular in a certain region or place than others, and so there they'll get lots of candles and, and lots of prayers said to them. And there are saints that are more well-known, less known. There are probably saints that are holier than others. They were all friends of God. There's a degree of holiness. But it's, it's, a, it's a devotion that the Church has that, it, it, to honor those saints so that we, they draw us closer to God, and that's what they want to do because their lives were given to God. The reason I bring it up is because our lady is in a is in a category that is completely beyond any of the saints. I mean and, and, and in churches you always see there there's also statues of our lady, images of our lady, maybe of our lady of Loreto, our lady of Guadalupe, our lady of Chestahoa, wherever and, and they can again in different under different titles, but all over the world is Our Lady. an indication of of her importance. But even that doesn't isn't can't give to us the the reality of how close she is to God how wonderful she is, how beautiful how grace-filled she really is. I just heard a meditation by another priest a week ago who spoke about the autobiography of the education of Henry Adams. I hope I have it right, the education of Henry Adams, where he is, at one point, near the end of the book, he he speaks about how Mary, devotion to Mary in the Catholic Church, raised all these cathedrals, where tons of money and resources were spent to make them, and engineering feats of huge buildings, and again, all over the world. But specifically he spoke about France and how many of these great buildings dedicated to her out of love for her no other I don't think no other saint has so many and and inspired so much if you if you go to the to the met and you'll see many paintings of our lady of mary the mother of god the, the virgin at this cross the virgin with the child the virgin greeting elizabeth at the visitation the virgin at the annunciation now which is on the, the front of our tabernacle here you can see it in, the, in the, the 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 blue enamel with the two figures saint gabriel on the left our lady on the right and well, in the, in the method, there there are um, 427,000 paintings, that more or less, or images of Our Lady that I, could, that I did an internet search, which is basically um, almost 5% of all the paintings there. I don't think any other subject has that many, at least women. The, Athena, the Greek goddess, has only three hundred and seventy-one. That's about zero point zero eight percent, if I can make a comparison like that. And and with this, Our Lady's holiness, Our Lady's being full of grace, is somewhat reflected in the amount, the number of images that she has, in, that have been, and the great artworks and the great cathedrals that have been raised in her honor, as a kind of something that uh, uh, an extra a testimony to her greatness to who she is certainly for us as catholics and for many people because she is to be the mother of god and she is the mother of god this is what god wanted for his son on earth he didn't need you know, we, again, we consider this at Christmas time, he didn't need riches, he didn't need a powerful family, he didn't need political influence. You know, when, when Jesus was sent to the earth, when God, when Jesus came to this earth and entered human history, he needed a mom and a dad. And Joseph, his, his reputed father, took on the office of father, but Mary's his mom. His mom fully, whatever a woman gives in human generation, Mary gave. It was by the intervention of the Holy Spirit. He need, and, and this mom was prepared. God prepared her, and she's very special. And this is a month when we pay special attention to her. A month when we, when we all pay, you, everybody, or many people in different cultures, pay attention to mom. We on Mother's Day, the second Sunday, as a day of showing appreciation for mom. You know, maybe mom will get a card from you, or, or if you're home, maybe you. And breakfast and bed or you take her out to a nice brunch. You know, most restaurants are packed on on in the morning on, on Mother's Day as a way of showing the church is designating May as a month in which we can show our appreciation to our mother Mary. And I would make it a month of Mother's Days, if we can. Very practical. Some way, something that we do to show that we love mom. We appreciate what she does. Our mother. And she is our mother. So we see in St. Luke's Gospel where Mary is full of grace, this title by the angel, I mean, he, she is she's certainly holier than, in a sense certainly has an art, order of holiness more than the angel after she conceives, maybe even before so. And then at the end of, of our Lord's life, when Jesus is on the cross and there are a few people around him, mostly the holy women who helped him in his public life, and there's St. John, the youngest of the apostles is there as well. And as our Lord is dying on the cross, suffering and laboring for breath, St. John, who's a witness to this, writes, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, St. John himself, he appropriates this title. When Jesus saw the mother, his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. So at first you may think Jesus saying to Mary, Behold your son who's here crucified and dying and bleeding out. And perhaps in some way that could be intended by our Lord in some way. Behold your son who is the Lamb of God. And Mary is uniting herself to that suffering in a very particular way and a spiritual way that we cannot understand or fathom. But then when our Lord says, Behold your mother, St. John realizes it now marries his mother. And he's been given a charge. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. He took her into his own home as a mother. And he treated her as a mother. And spiritual writers or commentators on this point out that Usually you would entrust the weaker to the stronger first. Well, our Lord did that. He entrusted the weaker to the stronger. He entrusted John to Mary, who's the stronger, who's going to be his mother and be a source of strength for him, even though he's going to take care of her. Mary's going to be the source of strength as his mother. And in this, the church has seen and has always lived the reality that John represents Saint John the evangelist represents all of us, all Christians at that moment that our Lord entrusts his most precious possession, his own mother and he entrusts He gives her to us as a mother. And this reality the churches lived from the beginning. I don't know what it may be based in, but it, perhaps something and again scripture scholars may be able to tell us but I always liked, that, not to canonize Mel Gibson's The Passion, but I always liked the fact that from the beginning they were calling Mary mother. They would go call her mother. mother. They already felt that affinity towards her as a mother. And in this special solemn moment of our Lord's death, he says, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother. And it's always been interpreted by the church and lived, more importantly, that we are children of Mary. That mother, Mary is in our lives now as a mother. and that her children responded in kind by making a big deal of her. So many paintings, so many cathedrals, so much devotion. And this we want to, this is the purpose of our time of prayer, that somehow this devotion and this reality would strike us more forcefully, and some because of that there would be a practical resolution of loving Mary more as a mother from our point of view because she loves us as a mother from her point of view. And she has all the womanly instincts of a mother. A fellow named Michael Lewis wrote a book about, he's written different books. One of them is called The Blind Side about a football player, well, a guy who becomes a a professional football player for the Baltimore Ravens, Michael Orr. And, And he was, Taken in by a family, and um, the 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 mother of that family kind of adopted him as I mean took charge of him as a mother, and this is how he describes it. I think as a writer he has a flair for saying things well, and I thought it was a particularly good description of a mother. There was a new force in Michael Orr's life, a woman paying extremely close attention to him, who had the eye and who had an eye for detail, a nose for trouble, a heart of a lion, and the will of a stormtrooper, a mother. As what concerns that person who she took under her wing, adopted, if you will, although his real mother stayed in the, in the picture. But who had these characteristics? You know, A mother who's looking at with an, with, a, with an eye for detail, a nose for trouble, keeping out of trouble, the heart of a lion, great and fearless, and the will of a storm, to, what 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 was concerning that person as a child? A tremendous way of saying that, that the love that that she had, and that's a that's maternal love. One definition of maternal love is the admirable strength of is a, a holy glimmer of divine love. Find strength for all things and never tires of the most unbearable sacrifice and weariness. A mother's love that's always there and is able to sustain itself even in very difficult and trying circumstances and over a long period of time. And never recoils or shrinks from the, from wanting to make that child or help that child to be better or to get them out of trouble or to cure their their illnesses and this is the 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 love that Mary has for us it's it's it is the love of a mother it's not so practical practical i mean it's not just something out there it's not sometimes we may think or or even live in terms of even god's love which should be very practical but the, the interesting thing about uh, the love of our lady in, in, is that is that we can, we can really relate to it as a, a, from love of a mother, or a, in our own lives, and vicariously in the lives of, of, of others, or, or in books, or in poems, or in Michael Orr's book, at least it helped me, you know, about the blind side. I mean, it's... So it can be, it can be something that we can latch on to, I think, to a certain degree, in a, in a very particular way. It's what John Paul II said. He said, look, Marian devotion the, the church's Marian devotion is, is not just, uh, I mean, it, it does address a need of the heart, and it, it, it does address a sentimental inclination that we all have that's built into us. It's, um, and so we can understand it. But he says it's also, it corresponds to the objective truth about the mother of God. It's, this is a reality. she looks at us in this way. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. It responds to a need of the heart that we can have and something that we can see and experience and understand in our earthly way of looking at things, what a mother means, what it means to be, have this love of a mother. And it corresponds to the reality, the theological reality of who our Lord, of who our Lady is for us. And therefore, practical, therefore, something that makes a difference in our lives. This mother who is who is so much celebrated, this mother who gets so much attention, who is seen and recognized worldwide in different ways, especially in Western culture. She who is conceived without sin has placed herself at the service of God behold the handmaid of the lord when she was when she was told that she would be the mother of god i'm here to do what what you want and she threw herself into it totally behold the handmaid of the lord and so she accepted that that she was in agreement with god's plan if you and she Again, she was totally with the program, and she launched her son's public life, knowing that it would lead to the cross and accompany him in all those moments. And as St. Maria will point out, she wasn't there for the big miracles I and mean, when our Lord received a lot of public acclaim, but she was there at the foot of the cross. And that's when Our Lady tells her, you know, there's another part of this plan, and she probably realized that and knew it already and was living it with the disciples, that our Lord's apostles, Also you to be the mother of all mankind, the mother of all the children of God the Father." And she goes into it with the, the same enthusiasm, the same love. Enthusiasm is a word that's kind of wishy-washy in the sense that enthusiasm can wane, but love never wanes. And, but she goes into it in the same. Saint John took her into his home as his mother, and she was his mother, and she's the mother of the church. And this devotion has flourished over these 2,000 years of the church's existence in a beautiful way that is very palpable. That's where they're, they're very palpable. And we want it to be palpable in our lives. And this month is a wonderful opportunity to do it. And the first is being convinced and asking for a greater conviction, a greater faith of her presence in our lives. St. Josemaria tells the story of... He had an image of the Blessed Virgin Mary. These are, um, these are his words, I can tell it with his words. I had an image of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which the Communists stole from me during the war in Spain. It was a religious persecution. I called it the Virgin of the Kisses. I never went in or out of our first residence, the center that there was there, without going to the director's room to kiss that image. I do not think I ever did it mechanically. It was a human kiss, the kiss of a frightened son. But since I have often said that I am not afraid of anything, nor of anyone, we will not say fear. It was the kiss of a son who was concerned about his being overly young and who was going to Our Lady with all the tenderness of his affection. He was going to God through the Blessed Virgin to seek all the strength he needed how that devotion to Our Lady was something that welled up in his heart. And when he had this task of trying to do Opus Dei in such a difficult circumstances, he said, I, I went to Our Lady with all the devotion of a son and seeking all the strength that I need through her intercession, you know, counting on her. And he instilled a great love for Mary and he, in, in all his children in Opus Dei, and all the members of Opus Dei. And all those who take part in its apostolate, Because he had this trust. He knew, he knew who she she was, how much confidence he had. And he would even say it. He, he would be impressed by the piety of, at first, in some ways the piety of older women in the church. He would say that in general. But also the, the love for our lady. And 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 really wanted that. And he would always insist that he was never to be imitated, St. Josemaria. Uh, you know, you you look to Christ, look to Christ. But sometimes he would concede there's one thing you can imitate me in is my love for a lady, because I think I have a lot of love for Mary, uh, which he did. And something that he wanted to to pass on to others. He had a rich interior life in that aspect, a rich devotion. And so we can ask his intercession. I invite you to do so now because we we are living now part of the legacy of that desire that he had, of that love that he had, that he's passed on to his, again, members of the work and those who come in contact with with its apostolates because he felt this, this sense of Mary's protective and motherly intercession before God is extremely powerful. And that she does have a, a, a tremendous view of pull with God. And sometimes it's easy, sometimes maybe may be easier to go to her and to ask her for things. Maybe there's, again, that natural inclination that we have may help us to go to her with, with a, in a sense, a greater kind of confidence, knowing that, that tender motherly intercession. This was something that, uh, in a book about Mary there is a, a this fellow tells the story of a french writer named Charles Peggy. and at one point he had a terrible doubt of faith he he couldn't pray and in this person's own word Charles Péguy Peggy, i think that's how you pronounce it he says imagine for 8 months I couldn't even say the Our Father. I mean, he's kind of stuck. He just blocked blockage in the interior life. I could not say, Thy will be done. Do you realize what this means? I could not pray to God because I could not ex- accept His will. It is awful. It is not a matter of mount- mouthing prayers. It is a matter of saying, uh, of saying, of meaning exactly what you are saying. And I could not truly say, Thy will be done. Then I prayed to Mary. Prayers addressed to Mary are what he calls reserved prayers. There isn't one in all the liturgy, not even one, which the most miserable of sinners cannot truly say. In the machinery of salvation, the Hail Mary is the last source of aid. You cannot be lost if you have it. It was difficult for him to submit to God's will, to accept God's will. But he could pray the Hail Mary. He He had that confidence. In, in our Lady. Again, that the kind of practicality of the, 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 the practicality, even in a visceral sense, of what our Lady can do for us. Saint Jose Maria had the same thing. If I were a leper, he writes in The Forge, if I were a leper, my mother would kiss me. She would kiss my wounds without fear of hesitation. Well, then, what would the Blessed Virgin Mary do? When we feel like we are lepers, all full of sores, we have to cry out, Mother. And the protection of our mother will be like a kiss upon our wounds, which will then be healed. Yeah, this this way of saying it—that total confidence in Mary's intercession, total confidence in her help, total confidence in that maternal kind of response—that everybody has a great trust in. That everybody it knows, if you will. So what may be our resolution, practical resolution? We want to make this practical. What is the practical resolution from this meditation? Maybe we could pray the rosary or a part of the rosary in, in, during these days of May, as a way of showing Our Lady affection. Probably some of you have heard of the custom of going on a pilgrimage and visiting a Marian Shrine. Maybe you could put a picture of Our Lady in your room if you don't have one already and then try to greet it and realize Our Lady is watching over you. Or maybe the best thing is just to a, 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 a number of times this month contemplate her life, contemplate her life in the, in, in the Gospels. We see her the opening, if you will, the beginning. She's a, she's going to be the mother of God. At the end, she becomes our mother. Her life is being a mother. That's what she was made for. She received in, an incredible amount of grace to do this, and she loves doing it. And just be convinced of that. And then the other things may flow naturally. We could ask God that somehow, as best we can, we would understand her holiness and her position in salvation history. And then we would say, we would, Pray with greater faith, you know, when we say, Mary, pray for us now. And at the hour of our death, too. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother Saint Joseph, my Father in the Word, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.